Hello, hello, hello. How often have you heard the three magic words in a workplace? And those magic words are, they don't care. Well, as a, an employee and a former administrator and manager, I've heard those words so often through the years that I think it warrants a little discussion. And that's what we're going to do in just a few minutes. Hi everybody, I'm Marcelin Bailey and I am the stress management maven for super women, super women who want it all but are overwhelmed by stress. And they're feeling the pain of being overstressed, overworked, overwhelmed to the point where they're having trouble reaching their goals while taking care of their family and their work. We're gonna be talking a little bit about well-being today because I believe that a company's success comes not only from their serving their customers in a grand fashion, but it also comes from serving their employees with the same level of commitment. And we're gonna talk about that a little bit. But first, I have some reminders for you. I want you and need you to follow ML Bailey Consultants on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Follow me for getting the latest information, not only stress management tips, but how to approach stress management from a well-being perspective. One of the differences that I often see is that Super women like you and like me, we like to do things piecemeal in a sense. When we're dealing with our stress, we want that quick, easy way to get rid of it, right? So we do things like we exercise to relieve the stress and the tension in our bodies, or we'll meditate, or we will read um, affirmations to ourselves. But while all of those things are really good and they're useful, they only provide temporary relief from the overwhelming stress that we experience. My approach is to approach stress management from a well being perspective, where we look at all areas of your life be it work, financial, social, community, and health. So we're looking at all of those aspects to develop an individual plan for you so that you can meet the goals and the aspirations that you desire. So follow me on ML Bailey Consultants on, and that's on Twitter, on Instagram, as well as on Facebook. The second thing I want you to do is to subscribe. 
I want you to subscribe to ML Bailey Consultants on YouTube. When you do that, you get access to the replays of our Stress Talk Live. We're talking real talk about stress, real talk, and I'm serious, real talk about stress. We're not just giving tips, but we're giving you background information so that you understand exactly what stress is, how it works, and how you can manage and relieve it so that it does not burn you out. So subscribe to the ML Bailey Consultants channel on YouTube. So let's get back to the topic at hand. And I started off by saying, how often have you heard the words, they don't care? Well, I've been in that conversation for quite a while now. I've been a manager, an administrator, a director of a of nonprofit organizations. And now I work in the education system. So, and I hear that quite a lot from line employees, people who are doing the direct service, providing the direct service to individuals. They don't care. Who are they talking about when they say they? Who are, they, who are, who are the they that they're talking about? Well, for the most part, they're talking about managers, administrators, directors, people who are in positions of power and authority. That's the they that <laughs> get the blame. They don't care. But what exactly does that mean? They don't care. Well, when we're talking about they don't care, a lot of times it's because employees feel as if the individuals who have the authority in the workplace are not attuned or attentive to the employee's personal needs. Well, like I said, I've been a manager. I've been a manager and a director. I uh, actually ran mental health services, substance abuse services, uh, crisis stabilization services in three counties in the state in which I live. And so I understand that when you're a manager or a director or a person who has um, authority in an organization, it's some, you're sometimes removed, oftentimes, I won't say sometimes, you're oftentimes removed from the day-to-day -day dealings that your staff people go through. You just don't know because you're not there in the trenches. So compound the stresses of the workplace on individuals who also have stresses in their home life or in their life outside of work. And it can be overwhelming. So we want to talk a little bit about what it means for an organization as well as an employee when an employee is saying they meaning the people in power, the people with the authority, don't care. So 
We hear a lot about wellness. Let's go there. We hear a lot about wellness because I often get this question. Well, Marcy, you're Marceline, you're talking about wellness, right? There's a difference between wellness and well-being. When we're talking about wellness, we're really talking about physical, physical health. And, and we're talking about the pursuit of and uh, the pursuit of being in good health or the state of being when a person is in good health. They have the energy that they need to accomplish the activities that interest them. They have, they are physically able to uh, ambulate, to get around, to get to the places that they want to go without being in pain or without being impaired. So we're talking about good physical health when we consider or discuss wellness. When we talk about wellness, companies and organizations have done a great job of incorporating wellness and wellness practices into the workplace. You see uh, some organizations um, who uh, encourage their employees to participate in physical activities like a kickball league or a softball league or a flag football league, right? So some organizations do that. Other organizations encourage employees to have um, to participate in exercise activities that are available on property. Some even have gyms where an employee can work out, right? Uh, you don't see that very often in nonprofit organizations, though. Mostly for-profit organizations have fully equipped gyms, but nonprofits should too. They should have those. That's just my opinion, having worked in, a non in nonprofit organizations for over 25 years. Nonprofits should have those as well. But that's a horse of another color and a subject for a different day. But when we're talking about wellness, we see that in the workplace. Companies understand that it's important to have a healthy workforce. So most organizations, most companies offer ins health insurance to their employees. They also offer um, other benefits like employee assistance programs. And with employee assistance programs, those programs provide um, an opportunity for employees to get assistance that is of assistance other than assistance needed for health-related um, concerns. For example, EAPs offer counsel for mental health assessments for and counsel for mental health, for substance abuse. They offer legal counsel. They offer financial counsel. They also, I even know of an EAP program that offers pet care counsel, right? So they, EAPs, employee assistance programs, look outside of the workplace and affect the outside the the health 
mental health, emotional health, social health, of financial health of employees from a different perspective. We saw a rise in EAP programs during the, the pandemic, which we are still uh, in, but we see that. We see that many uh, organizations and companies are offering EAP programs. EAPs offer the employee a no-cost solution to concerns outside of the workplace. So when I'm talking about EAPs, that's where companies and organizations are promoting well-being. Because well-being, when I talk about well-being, I'm talking about the elements of a person's life that affects their emotional, mental, social, physical health. Those elements are how they feel about their, um, how, how, how they feel. It's more subjective, right? Does a person um, feel as if they have meaningful relationships in their life? That's number one. So relationships, what type of relationships and are they meaningful? Um, does a person feel that they are in good health, that their physical health is, is such that they can move without pain or disability? Can they, do they have enough energy to do the activities that they desire, right? Another element is financial. Do they feel financially stable? Are they able to manage the money that they have so they can live in a way that they feel safe, stable, and secure? Another element is community. Do they live in a community in which they feel as if they belong, that, that they can talk to their neighbors, they can get to their grocery stores? Does the community have what they need? Can they go to the bank? Do they feel safe in that community? Are they among people who they can talk to and interact with and they feel safe, stable, and secure? All of those elements comprise well-being. Wellness is a part of that, right? Because I mentioned physical health. Wellness is a part of an employee's or a person's overall well-being. And as we know, when a person feels um, like they are, they their well-being is secure, they have lower stress, and they are better able to attend to their work responsibilities. Okay, I'm going to take a sip of tea. And for those of you who are uh, regular viewers, you might be wondering what this is today. Well, this is a harvest blend with a shot of pumpkin, I should say, no calorie, zero calorie, zero, zero calorie pumpkin, pumpkin syrup. So I'm just going to take a sip. <laughs> Woo, great. Okay. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So when an employee says they don't care, 
much of the time, it's not only they don't care about work, they don't care about me. They don't care about me and what I am experiencing in my relationships. They don't care about what I'm experiencing in my community. They don't care about my financial status. And they certainly, yeah, they say they care about my health, but my health is still not where it needs to be. We need to talk a little bit about about health and why it's important for employers to pay attention to or focus on an employee's well-being. And I'm going to read you a few statistics, okay? When an employee's well-being is intact and when they they have a positive sense of well-being, they take employees take fewer sick days. They're rarely off. Their performance is much greater. There's also fewer rates, the rate of burnout and turnover is much lower. And we know that when employees are sick and they're out, we know that when employees leave a company, it costs the company lots of money. The other thing is 75% of medical costs are accrued due to preventable conditions. And when we're talk when we talk about preventable conditions, we're talking about things like heart disease. Heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure. All of those conditions are preventable. And what we found is that companies pay a great deal more when there's a higher prevalence of heart disease, diabetes, and high blood pressure in their that their employees experience. Okay. So those are all preventable. They are preventable. We also want to share, I should share, that when we talk about an employer who doesn't care. Employees are thinking, I'm struggling. And their perception of struggle relates to having uncertain feelings about their stat, their current living status, as well as uncertainty about the future. When a, an employee is suffering, it relates to having overwhelming sadness about their current state, as well as overwhelming status, sadness, and a negativity about the future. So we want to be cognizant. Employers want to be aware of what employees are feeling because all of this affects their work performance and will also affect the company's bottom line. So how can how can an organization show that they care? What what is that? You know, you give you pay somebody and you pay them a fair wage, perhaps. You give them time off when they need it, perhaps. But you need them to be on the job. How much more can you do to show that your organization 
cares about your employees. Okay. These are my big three. And these are three that I've learned over the years. As I said, over 25 years in nonprofit, working in nonprofit organizations, um, a number of those years as the manager, administrators, administrator or director of an organization, as well as an employee. Here is my here are my big three. First, anyone in a position of authority, whether it is a manager, a director, um, or even an owner, should acknowledge an employee by name. No one in authority should walk by an employee and not first and not acknowledge that employee. They should know the employee's name and they should know the job that the employee does. And I know I'm probably getting a lot of what? Are you kidding? I don't have time for that. It is a big deal. Not only is it a big deal for the employee, it is a big deal for the organization. When we use people, when we call people by their name, they feel respected and they feel valued. A, a, a director or a person who has authority in an organization will build loyalty just by using the employee's name, just by saying, hey, Joe, what's happening, Susie? Good to see you, Mac. Just by saying something that simple, you will build loyalty and commitment to the organization because calling someone by their name is an impactful way to build relationship. Remember, one of the areas that's important to employees is the area of relationship. One of the elements of well-being is relationship. So when an employee feels that they have a relationship with those in authority, it helps to open up meaningful exchanges it allows the flow of information and it improves interactions. So that's the first thing. People in authority should call employees by name. And if they don't know the person's name, they can ask, excuse me, I'm sh I don't know your name. Can you remind me? It's a simple thing to do. Very simple. The next thing is to have clearly defined goals that include actions that promote well-being. So we all have our we all have our uh, employee re annual review, right? A lot of us go through that, and at the beginning of the year, we come up with uh, goals to work on, performance goals, either. We're given goals by our manager or supervisor, or we're asked to develop our own performance goals. Well, the thing about that is organizations rarely incorporate well-being goals into those goals. 
Rarely. I, as a matter of fact, in all of my 25 years, I don't know of any. <laughs> I've never been asked to develop a goal that promotes my own well-being. And I think that's very key because we spend a lot of time developing measurable goals, um, goals that are very specific, smart goals, right? They're, they're specific, they're measurable, they're, um, um, there's a time limit. We know exactly what we're supposed to do in the workplace. They're very clear. However, we don't take the time to incorporate well-being into those goals. Think about this. If an employee has to, has to have a certain amount of screen time, let's say that an employee is required to have 30 minutes of, let's say, an hour of screen time. Everyone knows that's not good. <laughs> Everyone knows that's not good. It's not good for their eyes. It's not good for their body. It's not good. So why can't we provide or allow that employee to have um, time where they take a walk or they just rest their eyes? They can close their eyes for a few minutes to get their eye, give their eyes rest and build that into the performance goal structure. It only makes sense, but it also shows that the organization cares about the well-being of the employee, right? I'm going to read you some more statistics. Salary.com surveyed 3,200 employees, and out of those 32 employees, 39% of the respondents spent said that they spent one hour or less a week on non-work related activities. 29% of them, however, reported spending up to two hours a week. In the scheme of things, checking your phone, um, looking at your Twitter feed, looking at your Facebook feed, it doesn't seem like it is a lot of time, but it can add up. Now, employers may say that, you know, they're stealing time by doing so, but they can look at it from a different perspective. Perhaps the employee is saying, I'm bored, I feel unchallenged, or I'm overwhelmed, so I need a minute. Showing, demonstrating that an organization cares about the well-being of an employee is one, speaking, using the employee's name, and two, developing clearly defined goals that incorporate employee well-being activities. And then here's the third suggestion. And while these suggestions are not exhaustive, I think this is a good way to start. The third suggestion is that organizations should value and encourage employee input. Now, when I was a manager, when I was, when I was directing the mental health organization, I spent a lot of time walking through the halls and talking to employees. 
talk to the therapist. I talk to the paras. I talk to the um, clerical staff because I needed and wanted to know what they were what they were experiencing. I also wanted to know what their ideas or thoughts were in terms of how the organization ran. I also, I learned this when I worked for the American Heart Association. I was a program manager for the Heart Association years ago, and I ran two programs. In our affiliate, which was the Northeast Ohio affiliate, our executive director was a proponent of including staff in strategic planning activities. His thing or his belief was that everyone in the organization had something to offer. He didn't want us to just come to work. And he was really, he, he expected, he had high expectations of his staff, but he didn't want us to just come to work. He wanted us to have input in how the organization ran. And so when it was came time to redo or review the strategic plan, he invited everybody. Staff, there were some staff who were required to attend and there were some staff who were just invited to attend the meeting. If they didn't attend the meeting, he would get their input in another manner. So we sat in a meeting with the financial supporters, board members, community stakeholders, volunteers, and staff, reviewing the strategic plan and making recommendations. Everyone's input was encouraged and valued. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of the meeting and throughout the meeting, we were constantly told everyone's opinion and everyone's expertise, knowledge, and input was needed in order to make the strategic plan the best working document we could make it. So that's it for today. I know well-being, everybody doesn't want to talk about employee well-being, but if organizations want to show that they care, truly care about their employees, they're going to not just deal with wellness, which is the physical health of employees, they're going to also deal with the comprehensive well-being of employees. I'm Marceline Bailey. I'm glad you joined me today. I look forward to continuing the conversation. That's it for now. Take good care.